Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Michael Ain't Shit Temple. I'm Shane Battle Bowl Britain. Welcome to episode 80, Star K 1992. The ultimate challenge of skill. Luck and survival. Only one, one man, man can, can survive. survive. Is that like the lamest? Yeah, it's really long. Line? Uh-huh. Also, uh, good hey, good on you, Shane. We did not we normally decide what we're going to do there. Yeah, we, I had to look at the page. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to do the tagline. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't think we've had a tagline in a couple shows. So yeah. It's, it's definitely something different. And this one's not Battle Bowl, the Lethal Lottery. They didn't add that in to it officially, right? No, but I it mean, is the ultimate challenge of skill, luck, survival, survival, and one only one man can survive. survive. So it's like they took WrestleMania six and combined it with Survivor Series. Yay! Only one man can survive. Yeah. So this is the 10th annual Starcade produced by the WCW. It would take place on December 28th, 1992 at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. This is the end of 92. It is the end of 92. Uh, I'm sad. We're at the end of the road. At the end. Can't let go. <laughs> uh, uh, it's a natural. Men, we already covered that, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since we're in Georgia. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we always feel like we're in Georgia. Uh, so Shane... Georgia on my mind? Shane I, almost always gets the toughest job of all. Yes. In figuring out what to feed us. Mm-hmm. And what to talk about in his trip around the world. Or at least around Georgia. Or, you know, around Atlanta. Stuck on the turnpike. <laughs> Alright, so... Last time we went to Georgia... What did I do? Oh, that's right. We uh, we remade, reread. We had a drink. We, didn't we have the Scarlet O'Hara last time we were in Georgia? No, that was the time before. <laughs> we're, we live in Georgia now. The last time we went to a, a place called Fox Brothers Barbecue. Oh, that's right. And recreated their burger that was just barbecue meat piled up and held oh, together by cheese. Yeah. Which, you know, meat glued together by melty cheese is delicious. This time I did a little, a little look-see to see what some... You know, official foods of the state are, and you know, yeah, you've got your peaches, you got your pimento cheese, but the official prepared food of Georgia is grits. Yes. Um, so, I went to my friends over at Cheever's Cafe right here in Oklahoma City, and got one of their popular menu items available every day, and also featured on their brunch menu, the shrimp and grits. It's cheddar green onion uh, grits. Topped with bacon-wrapped shrimp with a sriracha honey butter. Yeah, a little spice, a little wow, sweet. That's what the spice was. Bra- yes. Yeah, bravo. I already um, ate mine quickly. It was very <laughs> delicious. The green onion really ties it all together. Come Telling on, you. man. Cheaters but I also is... love even bad, like, I mean, I don't know if I've had truly bad shrimp and grits, but even, like, when they don't dress it up, it's like, oh, well, we threw some blackening seeds on the shrimp and piled it on grits, sprinkled some cheese on it. Like, there's no way... I'm gonna throw away, but this was uh, like the level up. It's a little fancier. You like oh, yeah. the sriracha butter thing was more of like a you know a weird uh, like 
high-end restaurant oil type of job. It was good shit. Cheevers, uh, they, they know what they're doing there. Been around for about 20 years now. And yes, I will speak partially on their behalf because they are one of my favorites ever in Oklahoma. And, yeah, I work for the same company. So, yeah. Shill. Been, He's been a shill. Best uh, restaurant in Oklahoma several times over. Southwest Comfort Food with a fine dining twist. A great uh, date spot. Awesome brunch place. Delicious wines. I'm signing off on the shrimp and grits. You will happily support their food. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to take this last big ass bite of bacon wrapped shrimp with some uh, delicious grits. Make sure you get that green onion. Mm-hmm. Green onion really tied it together for me. I like uh, like I like uh, green green flavorful garnishes. I could eat like a half a pound of cilantro in a burrito. Like those greens, huh? Love it. You know who else liked some greens? Oh I my gosh. Dr. Dre. As his debut album, Chronic, would release a couple of weeks earlier than this show. And that's where I, that's where I pull my name. Although I did call myself a bitch, technically. <laughs> I know, I was like, that's kind of funny. I mean, I was going to be Michael the King of Cable Temple, but uh, I thought that it might be more funny to pull from that. And then I was like, oh, I called myself a bitch. But hey, we're all, everybody bitches out sometimes. Hey. But I'm not here to do that tonight. I'm here to talk about It's better about to call wrestling. yourself a bitch than to be called a bitch by somebody else. Oh, my God, yes. Unless Definitely. you deserve it, uh-huh. then... mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this is obviously a classic. What's crazy is that the Chronic 2000 is like almost just... It's like probably like neck and neck. Like just maybe a, a hair under this in like popularity. Like he's, I mean, he's got two hits. Obviously, I grew up whenever I started listening to music more like, you know, what I wanted to listen to. Yeah. Chronic 2000 was one of my favorite albums mm-hmm. that I would, and I'm not a huge rap person by any means. Yeah. But. It's pretty undeniable. Chronic like, 2000 is one of the best entertaining records ever. The, uh, I mean, I honestly have listened to Straight Outta Compton more than I've listened to either of the Chronic albums, but I've, I started partaking in marijuana at an early age. And uh, these albums were definitely played just about anywhere uh, I went. If it wasn't if it wasn't <laughs> me playing, I never had to play these albums because they were just so like synonymous with the other um, reckless teens that I was uh, spending my time with. <laughs> so I didn't get to listen to this too much back then because I was more of a, a small Nebraska kid. No, it's weird because I was I had like all You're genres of, of music and movie Quest and everything, guy? but. Oh, I guess at this time I was more on (laughs) a pop kick. I I didn't listen too much to the rap or hip-hop or anything like that at the time. It wasn't until Snoop really started to... Oh, yeah. The other thing for... ...that I I got on board. The, like, the the gangster beat that Dr. Dre is famous for is all just samples from, like, mostly Parliament Funkadelic songs. And, like, I'm a huge fan of Parliament... Funkadelic and just like funk music in general, but I think that hearing these albums is one of those things where it's like, oh, when I finally heard the source material, I was like, well, can we just hang out here instead of just this sample? Like, there's a lot, there's a, you know, there's a whole song. There's gonna be guitar solo and a bass solo and like, you know, fun uh, like falsetto background vocals. Uh, so I think that hearing this stuff. You know, when I found the source materials, like, oh, like, it inspired me to, to dig in deeper. I've definitely listened to 
more Funkadelic and Parliament than I have Dr. Dre, but that's not shade to be thrown. Appreciate you, you know, bringing it out there and doing it justice. So it's still the DRE. Yeah. But let's talk some wrestling. As narration over the logo that says 10th Annual Starcade 92, featuring Battle Bowl. Featuring Battle Bowl. The whole thing's a Battle Bowl. But let's go back to it. The 10th <laughs> Annual Starcade annual 92. Starcade 92. 92. Yeah. Hmm. Someone uh, didn't do their grammatical justice. Maybe they're into one. like string theory or something. There's like, oh, there's at least 10 92s happening. It's the 10th Annual Starcade. <laughs> And it's Starcade '92. Yeah, but I was not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's. I like that Starcade never does the like Starcade four. Starcade like the tenth anniversary. It's like it's still Starcade '92. Like yeah. the tenth anniversary is like the second part of it. Yeah, that's the thing that pissed me off with WrestleMania '25 is they still refer to it. You know, if you look it up, it's the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. Even though it's supposed to be WrestleMania 25, it just doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> XXV, baby. Call it what it is. It's not the 25th anniversary. It is WrestleMania 25, or in this case, so you don't need the 10th to, annual Starcade 92. You don't need to tell us that it's the 25th one. You've been numbering them from the beginning. Exactly. exactly. It then goes over a full run of all 10 years worth of logos. Which you know I'm a huge fan of. Which There's definitely some good ones there. Oh, yeah. Definitely some really bad ones as well. Bad ones are just as good as the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're told that there's going to be five championship matches being challenged for on this show before giving a little rundown of each of them. Jim Ross and Jesse, the Body Ventura, then welcome us to the show. And Jesse calls Starcade the granddaddy of them all. Oh my gosh. I believe he said that before. I mean, he probably said it about WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that yeah. was what I was getting at. I like that his like public enemy hat or, Mal- or like Malcolm X hat. <laughs> JR then says there's some big news about the world championship match and sends it to a WCW magazine special report. Eric Bitchoff. I feel like this was added in like after like for the tape and not for the pay-per-view, but maybe not. No, I think yeah. it was probably live. Okay. Bischoff is then in front of some monitors and tells us that ravishing Rick Rude has suffered a herniated disc. I don't think I'm here, but that's me hitting my head against the wall. And the doctors will not let him compete. So Dr. Death Steve Williams no. will take his place no. in the championship match. That's like... Can't we just get Vader to sub again? That's like me showing up to this show, like waking up Christmas morning, and then like my like my mom like cutting me off at the stairs and is like... I'm sorry to break it to you, but Christmas is canceled. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't even sleep last night. You're taking Rick Rude away from me? Yeah. We promised you turkey, but, you know, here's here's just a slice of... Yeah, here's spam. Turkey spam. <laughs> I want to love Dr. Death, but we'll, we'll save it for later. Thanks, Bill. We then see a split screen of the two locker rooms where they're waiting for the lottery to draw the names of the teams that will compete in the lethal lottery tag matches. For the Battle Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> At the 10th annual... The Starcade of 1992. <laughs> Tony Schiavone's then in the ring with Cowboy Bill Watts and Hank Aaron. Hey, Hank's back. I know, I just like seeing Hank Aaron there. Just because. Mm-hmm. No real reason. Seeing anybody other than Bill Watts is great. 
Watts tells us that they're going to start a new tradition. The winner of the Battle Bowl gets a championship ring. That's fun. I like that idea. Kind of like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. You know, to make sure everyone understands Mm -hmm. what a championship ring is. Says we didn't have the tradition last year, but we want to celebrate Sting. So they bring him out and give him one for his win the last year. Aww. See, that's how it should yeah, be. Why not? You shouldn't get one when you first win it. You should celebrate the entire year and be the standing <laughs> Battle Bowl representative, kind of like Miss America. Well, I guess she uh, gets a crown, though. They didn't know they were going to do Battle Bowl two <laughs> a year ago. Yeah. I don't think they were planning on doing it again, and then it was like, oh, shit, here we are. What else are we going to do? We got three days left before the end of the year. You guys thought Kill- Cowboy Bill Watts had good ideas? Nah, we'll just do the same ones last year, guys. <laughs> Sting tells us that he hopes to make it two years in a row. Because, of course, right? He wants to win again. Oh, yeah. We then go to Larry Zabisco and Missy Hyatt. And so, yeah, Larry's behind the mic now. He is. They're in front of a tumbler. Yeah. Missy tells us that they have already drew the names for the first matchup, which they did at Clash mm-hmm. of the Champions 21. And oh, I remember being so excited that there were some of these matches weren't going to happen. We were very there. excited about this and then first match. And you lied to me. I thought they were going to happen like b- before, maybe, and we'd have just like a finals. No. Nope. Mm, yeah. We're going to get a few of these matches. That's not Battle Bowl. We're going to get a few of those matches right now. Right now. Okay. The first match Heavy Metal Van Hammer and Dangerous Dan Spivey. No. Versus Cactus Jack and Johnny B. Bad in a lethal lottery tag match. I like the the juxtaposition of Jack and, and B-Bad next to each other. That's funny. Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Spivey, like, comes out with some, like, crazy eyes. Yeah. Like, he's, like, staring off into, like, nothingness. That's his dangerous look. Well, he forgot. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he woke up with a Soma hangover. It's my danger topped face. Topped it off with some cocaine. And now, you know, he's in A-Zone. Whether it's the zone, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, the last time he was around, he had Sid there to, you know, kind of block the, you know, take all the, the view of the camera, so... Yeah, it's like, mm, Sid's not kind much of better in the 90s. ring, but at least he looks good. Yeah. Jack gets hammer into a corner with knee lifts and forearms and a double leg takedown for a leverage pin, only for a two count. Hammer fights back with a clothesline, a body slam, and a leaping leg drop for a near fall. Bad's in only to receive a hip toss and a leaping elbow drop from Van Hammer. But Johnny retaliates with an arm drag, a Japanese arm drag, and head scissors. That head scissor, like, Van Hammer, like, lands on his head. It does not look, <laughs> it is nasty. It does not look, uh, it's not, not so clean. Also, I feel like this is one of the first shows we've seen where they turn, like, the house lights down. Did you guys notice that? Like, they, they take the lights mm-hmm. off of the crowd a little bit. I mean, they may have dimmed the dimmed the outside of the crowd a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was the first time I really noticed it on any of the shows we've released, any of the shows we've watched recently. Possibly worried that people were going to get distracted, so they had to block out all other sight. Yeah. <laughs> Focus your attention right here where the bright we're lights talking are. Talking about this is a hot first match. <laughs> Van Hammer almost got decapitated. Cactus Jack comes back in with a hip toss, goes for an elbow drop that misses, allowing Hammer to make it to his corner for attack. Spivey comes in with left hands, ducks a clothesline, then misses a clothesline, but hits a big boot, a lariat, and a body slam. Hammers back in, but Jack breaks up the momentum quickly with a rake of the eyes. 
Johnny's running the ropes when Dangerous Dan gets a knee into his back from the apron. And Van Hammer starts yelling at him. Yeah, Van Hammer does not like this heel shit. <laughs> so Spivey tags himself in and hits a sidewalk slam on Bad. Begins to work on the back with a bear hug and forearms. Hammer comes back in to continue working on the back with a body slam and a back suplex for a two count. And Johnny then hits a desperation dropkick on Dangerous Dan. Say that four times fast. <laughs> Allowing him to make the hot tag. Cactus Jack comes in with a flurry of fists, a face plant, and an elbow drop for a near fall. But Spivey is able to regroup when he pulls Jack through the ropes to the floor. Only for Cactus Jack to come right back in with a clothesline. Jack goes for the tag, but Johnny's still out on the floor, writhing in pain. Oh, no. So Dangerous Dan grabs him from behind to hit a Russian leg sweep. And Van Hammer hits a leaping shoulder tackle. Goes for the cover, but Bad makes it in to break up the pin with an elbow drop. But Hammer is moved, so Cactus Jack takes the brunt of the blow. What a pal. Jack gets up and ends up punching Johnny. (laughs) So Bad returns the favor allowing Van Hammer to schoolboy roll up Cactus Jack for the pin and, and the win. win. I thought the finish was fun, but wrong results. I don't want to have to see Dan Spivey hey. and Van Hammer again later. I could have had Johnny B. Bad and Cactus Jack. Guess can't win them all. Can't win them all. So Thanks, Bill. You guys are too hard on Bill. Come on. <laughs> Tony, Missy, and Larry are still at the Tumblr, and they draw out the next names, which happens between each of these first few matches. Yeah, as Larry's our, our new uh, Magnum. Magnum. Yeah. Not nearly uh, as, as handsome. handsome, no. <laughs> or as well-dressed, from what I remember. So our second match, the natural Dustin Rhodes and Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus Kenzuke Suzuki and the Barbarian in a lethal lottery tag match. What a group of guys. Right? Three Hall of Famers. Yeah, and like three and of them a barbarian. Here, I'm, all, I'm all good with those first three. And then... Wah, wah. I mean, think of it from Suzaki's perspective. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Last time he, I mean, he, hit, I guess last time he tagged with Eric Watts. So. <laughs> it's an upgrade from Eric yeah, Watts. Yeah. He's at least got a tag team specialist with him now. At least Barbarian is like... And a former number one contender. True. Yeah, but barbarians like have to kick a fear too. So. Scary. It's like, oh, you know, we everybody knows who he is. He's big and he looks mean, and he can he can no sell stuff, believably. Nobody's business. <laughs> so barbarian and Vader shake hands to begin, and then they play whatever you can do, I can do the exact same, as they both give clotheslines, body slams, shoulder tackles, until Vader whiffs on a kick, allowing Barbie to take him down with a clothesline. But Vader comes right back with a clothesline of his own to take the Barbarian down. Barbarian does look about as cool as he's ever looked in this match. Just like the gear and the face paint. It just, you know, looks like he's uh, trying to trying to bring it a little bit. Trying to relive some of his youth. Yes, bring maybe that's more accurate. People liked me better when I was a power of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta say, one thing that does make... Uh, a match involving the barbarian a little more enjoyable while while reviewing it is when he's referred to as Barbie. So oh yes, I appreciate that's it. how he is in my notes. <laughs> Gotta keep it entertaining. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin tags into the match and him and Vader do their version of a heart attack for a two account. 
Barbie and Rhodes then trade back suplexes before Kazuke tags in, where he charges into an elbow, but retaliates with a lariat, coming off the second rope, but the natural catches him with a dropkick. Body slammed by Dustin, Vader off the second rope with an avalanche splash, oh my God. a clothesline, and a power slam for a near fall. I know, Kazuke just fucking takes it and kicks, like the champion he is in my heart. Vader then goes for a suplex, but Kanzuke floats over, hits a drop kick and a clothesline, and tries for another, but is met with a big boot. Vader goes for that vertical suplex once more, but this time it's reversed by Sasaki. Good on you, Leon. I was so stoked that Leon did that for his fucking Japanese brother. He's like, oh yeah, like, he took the suplex. He didn't have to do that. He's fucking Vader. Took me a second. He, he literally no sells for everyone except for except for his Japanese guys. Yeah, and it's fucking awesome, and I love it. I mean, I think that's a smart idea. That's the way it should be. He should be viewed as a a monster over here, but he's monster, also yeah. helping to push these guys that need it over here. Because yeah. like Dustin doesn't need any help getting over. He's going to do that with every fucking drop kick. Both teams make tags, and now it's Rhodes versus Barbarian where the natural delivers a big knee lift, a lariat, and goes for the cover, but Kanzuke breaks up the pin. Dustin and Suzaki begin brawling when Barbie comes in from behind, only to hit Kazuke off the apron. And Rhodes cradles up Barbarian for the pin and, and the win. win. So Dustin Rhodes and Vader advance to the battle bowl. Oh man, yeah, like that. this was not bad, but you know what should have happened? Should have started with Dustin and Kinsuke going hot against each other. Save the big guys for the hot tag. Instead, we never really got those guys interacting with each other. But, like, those two guys can fucking... They could lit it up for, like, four minutes. Would have been great. Post-match, the natural celebrating, but Vader starts yelling at him and then hits a clothesline to take him down. And Harley Rice joins in, even with Amy Drop. These two still had a little bit of bad blood because they had faced each other in the semifinals of the King of Cable tournament. Yeah. So, that's what that's all about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We then see an ad for Super Brawl 3. Are we ready for Super Brawl 3? I think I am. Why not? I mean, it's going to be a few weeks before we get there. Yeah. What was the last last Super Brawl? Was it Uh, Super Brawl 2, I believe, is what it was called? Yeah, you lobbed it up. <laughs> Super no, Brawl 2, Viva Los Dos. <laughs> Sting and. Was that Sting and Luger? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, oh, where Luger uh, just when, pouted yeah. his way out of the company. <laughs> and when Luger lost and then just yeah. immediately disappeared from the ring. Yeah. It was a bummer because yeah. Sting hasn't really ever got that like true like cement. He hasn't really got the win that he deserves, I feel like. Yeah. 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 We then get our third match. Barry Windham and the Great Muda versus Two Cold Scorpio and Flying Brian Pillman in a lethal lottery tag match. Can I get a yee-haw? Yee-haw! I mean, this is four guys I'm down for. Yes. Exactly. I saw this matchup and I was like, okay, <laughs> this is better than... 90% of last year's legal lottery matchups. And remind me again, yeah. were these ones just picked at random? Or mm. was there rumor to uh, have been thought placed behind them? 
I think these were all done ahead of time. Ahead yeah. of time. Okay. I, I think they realized the it doesn't work. The <laughs> shoot nature of last year didn't work. <laughs> That's what I had. To I make can't sure. imagine they pulled off. Like, I think the first, the very first match, may have been. Shoot, live on air. Live yeah, on air. you can see but that, that, that finish. Yeah, that gave them like three weeks or so to figure out a match. Yeah, these other ones probably were like, okay, let's. That first match, you can see that finish being like, okay, well, this is what we'll do. But the like finish of the second match, it's like, all right, well, if we're actually drawing names here, are we really going to get that finish? Yeah. <laughs> so Barry starts us off with a suplex, but Scorpio comes right back with a hip toss, a drop kick, and an arm drag to work on Wyndham's arm but Barry makes it to the corner to escape. Muda and Scorpio then jockey for position, so Scorpio goes to the corner to escape. Pillman comes in with a drop kick, but Muda comes right back with a shoulder tackle and a drop kick of his own. And just to say, like, we get Muda chance. Muda gets chance when he's coming out. There's Muda chance during the match. There's It's not the whole crowd, but it's a strong enough amount of people that it comes over. And it's just like, he was, you killed him in, in one night with three losses. But the people don't forget. No. no. I mean, honestly, growing up, I didn't realize that he was just, you know, on borrowed time over here when he was wrestling before. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I thought he was just a regular part of the roster. Because now that's... he's much more established uh, in Japan than he was previously. Yep. Uh, but still, like, he's... He's the fucking great Muda. <laughs> yeah. Keiji <Kei> <laughs> Wyndham then comes in to match up with his regular tag team partner of Pillman. And they match chops before backing off. As JR says, they're probably saving it for their title match later. Great Muda, or not Great Muda, Brian Pillman chops. They're vicious. Brian Pillman chops. Maybe Come on. Top five chopmen? So from what we've so from from what we've watched so far, like he's he's way up there. I mean he's fucking trained by Ric Flair, so Okay, yeah. You, you you want, as a teacher, you want your students to excel above oh, and beyond yeah. you. So. I mean, Bill Pillman chops better than Flair chops? Oh, yeah. Possibly. Yeah. They're, Flair, they're louder, they're nastier. Yeah, they don't require the woo after... <laughs> you know, they, they keep singing on their own. You wouldn't be able to hear the woo because the chops so loud. <laughs> Muda then goes for a back body drop, but Flying Brian counters with a face plant and a shoulder block. But Muda then catches him with a spinning heel kick only for Pillman to pull Muda by the tights into a turnbuckle. Oh my gosh. Scorpio's in with a clothesline, a body slam, and a running splash, but Muda gets his knees up. Barry's then in with a lariat and a leg drop for a two count, followed by a vertical suplex. And then Muda comes in, and they hit a double drop kick on two cold. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Muda follows with a snap mare, the snap elbow drop, begins working the limbs over going for an Irish whip only to be reversed, and Scorpio charges in with a clothesline and a body slam. A floating, spinning leg drop. It's where he, like, he, like, ran to the corner, floated up and over. Yeah. Spinning in the air to hit the leg. It was just like, yeah, he, like, prop- you do you, Scorpio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he props himself up on the, with the two ropes, and then does... Some magic in the air and lands on the yeah, man. Yeah. I'm sensing like young Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy just like glued to their TV screen at that moment. Yeah. yeah. Rewinding it and rewinding it and rewinding it. 
Muda retaliates with a spinning heel kick to knock Too Cold to the ramp. Scorpio with the shoulder block and a flipping splash back into the ring onto Muda. Makes the cover, but Wyndham breaks it up. A pier six breaks out as Muda throws Pillman out to the floor. Too Cold goes for a body slam, which Barry floats over, hitting the DDT, followed by a Muda moonsault for the pin. And, and the, the win. But yeah, Too Cold, so much tighter here. He was super impressive the last time we saw him, but and he did a little bit more wild shit, but it was a little sloppy. Here everything looks so much tighter and cleaner, and like I think there was a right from Barry Windham that he just like sells like death, probably like two thirds or towards the end of the match, and like the closing stretch, and it's just like ah, so, so I mean, glad to have you here, bud. It's also the difference in opponents in Barry Windham and Great Muda <laughs> versus. Cactus Jack, Tony Atlas, and the Barbarians. Very, very true. But, I mean, those guys didn't fuck up his balance in some of those slips from the last match either. And see, this is one of those things. I don't remember Barry Windham and Brian Pillman as a tag team before watching. So, spoiler alert, they were supposed to be the Hollywood Blondes. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. If you don't know who the Hollywood Blondes are, we'll get there pretty soon. But they originally were supposed to be them. But Barry Windham Trade gets... out one man from Texas for another, huh? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was the better choice for the, the what became the Hollywood Blondes. But, yeah, I just... I, I had no memory of them as a tag team. I don't think they do a whole lot as a tag team because Barry moves up to singles competition yeah. pretty yeah. quickly. Barry's so. also, like, Hollywood Blonde. He, Barry Windham's not... Particularly well, great I don't know if they would have been called the Hollywood Yeah, Blondes, but they were supposed just... to be like that tag team. I got you. Yeah. So Barry Windham and Great Muda move on to the Battle Bowl. Post-match, though, we do see Barry stopping Brian from attacking Muda. But as Brian then checks on Scorpio, Barry pulls him away. Uh... Like, we're not being bad guys because we got we got a tag match later. Yeah. But we don't give a shit about your... You're not me. Yeah. There's a, yeah. There's like, it feels like all these matches have a little bit of storytelling at the end of them that's not necessary or didn't happen on the last one. Yeah. It's a nice change. So then we get our fourth match Dr. Death, Steve Williams Uh, and Sting uh, versus Eric Watts uh, and Jushin Thunder Liger. It's like a roller coaster of emotions just in the announcing of that fucking mm-hmm. yes. lineup there. Yeah. Ugh. So Liger and Sting start us off. Smart choice. And I literally went, oh my god, these two would have such classics mm-hmm. if they were to face each other. I don't know if we ever see it ever again other than this match. We get going. But I, s- because of the match later in the show, I just assumed... I assumed, I was like, so Sting and Dr. Death are going to lose, right? Because they have got stuff to do later. I mean, you would think that about Barry Windham and... Yeah, that's Dillman. a good point. They but have stuff going on. You know. has something going on later. Everybody's double if, 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 if we want to... <laughs> yeah. Flash forward to later in this show, I will be talking about how people did two and three times duty whenever Rick Rude didn't do double duty... At the last show, 
and Big Van Vader to <laughs> substituted for him. Like it makes that show even worse when you think about it. And it takes a lot to make that last show worse. Yeah, I love the people in the crowd with the Sting makeup on. Found out, that, I guess they probably said it last time, but that Eric Watts is from Tulsa. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I didn't realize Thanks, Eric Watts was so goddamn tall. Granted, these aren't all the tallest men. I mean, Sting's not a small guy, but Eric Watts is fucking huge. Yeah. So Sting starts us off going for a monkey flip, but Liger cartwheels away and tries for a drop kick, only for the Stinger to back away. To avoid. Sting starts working on the arm. Williams comes in for a suplex, but Jushin floats over and starts hitting forearms until an eye rake by Dr. Death, who then misses a charge into a corner. Watts is in with multiple arm drags, only for Williams to fight him off with a clubbing blow and a boot to the gut. Eric ducks multiple clotheslines and comes back with a crossbody for a two count. <sighs> oh, come on. <laughs> Leave Eric alone. You guys... I hate the Watts no, a little too much. Listen, it's not just Eric. He's in the ring with fucking Dr. Death, Steve Williams. <laughs> okay. Just let me be me for this one match. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not stopping you. I'm, but I'm not also going to comment. Doc with some hard chops tosses Watts to the ropes where he makes a blind tag to Liger. And Jushin comes in with several kicks to the sternum. Looks to go for a monkey flip, but Williams is too strong and charges out of the corner with a lariat for a near fall. How did you think a monkey flip was going to work on Dr. Death? About that well. <laughs> Sting with a running power slam into a turnbuckle on Liger, goes for a backdrop, but Jushin reverses it into a sunset flip, only for the Stinger to land in the ropes. Doc with a rubber band slam on Liger, Sting with a clothesline, a body slam, and the Stinger splash, but Jushin moves in time. Williams is back in to work over Liger. Sting puts on the half crab. Doc with chokes until Jushin applies a sleeper out of desperation. But Williams backs suplexes out of the predicament. Vertical suplex by Sting and Doc goes for a backdrop. But Liger reverses it into a face plant. Crawls to the corner for the hot tag. Watts is throwing punches at Williams. A clothesline. And the worst-looking drop kick ever, mm. as he barely gets any air and basically taps Doc's knee <laughs> with his feet. Hits a another little too hot on the hot tag, apparently. <laughs> he does hit another drop kick, and then applies the STF. But Williams makes it to the ropes. Doc then pulls Eric through those ropes to the apron. But once he's back in, Watts goes for a crossbody. But Williams catches him and falls backwards for the stun gun. Makes the cover for the pin. And, and the win. win. So Sting and Dr. Death Steve Williams advance to the Battle Bowl. Uh, can their partners just like take each other out so Sting and Liger can just like form a team to finish the show? Like Eric Watts and Dr. Death are both in the ring and they just like pull guns out of their trunks and shoot each other? I mean, so it could just to... be as simple as, oh, I tripped, and, you know, oh, my tibia. But... <laughs> <clears throat> no. No such luck. JR and Jesse then go over everybody who's qualified for the Battle Bowl, which we'll talk about more later. So are we getting two-ring sting? We might. He's got a chance. Yes. 
We then go to Tony and Larry on the stage, and they preview our next match. And as they're talking, we get highlights from Japan of Muda and Chono matching up at the G1 Climax 1992 in a semifinal match that we covered. Yeah, it was a good match. In my notes, I'm like, but Muda just had a match. What are you going to do to him? <laughs> so our fifth match, the Great Muda versus Masahiro Chono. Hero. For the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Chono starts it off with chops and a snapmare. Muda comes right back with a shoulder tackle before the two men do some mat wrestling until Masahiro hits an Insiguri to knock Muda out to the floor. And just more Muda chants, and there's even a sign. There's a Muda sign that says, Muda, spray here. These guys love him. And... Masahiro Chono looks incredible with big gold around his waist, just saying. <laughs> Once back in the ring, the two men duel through some headlocks and wrist locks, with neither man getting advantage, until Chono turns a test of strength into a backdrop. But Muda holds on to keep them locked up, and turns it into a full Nelson before switching it to an abstretch. Masahiro then reverses that, only for Muda to hip-toss out, working the arm over, but Chono escapes and applies an arm scissors of his own. Muda's then working on the leg of Masahiro, hitting a snapmare, goes for the head scissors on the mat. Chono then escapes and starts working Muda's leg, but he reaches the ropes to break the hold. Masahiro then tosses Muda out to the ring multiple times, but once they are back in the ring, Chono goes back to work on the arm. Masahiro, with a body slam, goes up to the top, only for Muda meeting there and superplex Chono to the mat. Come on. Muda then with a back body drop locks on a half crab. Or as Jesse Ventura would call it, the Hiroshima crab in Japan. <laughs> but he then turns it into an Indian death lock and then bridging it into a Muda lock. But Masahiro reaches the ropes to again break a hold. These two need to like wrestle forever. I just gotta say, just gotta yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, hot I'm, take. This only, is pretty good. I'm only like <laughs> three matches, or I guess like four or five matches into Japanese wrestling, and I mean, what I've seen so far, I want. They do it whatever different. Whatever the man. Japanese word for more is. You want more of it? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say moss, but that's wrong. <laughs> Chono with a snap suplex misses a clothesline, allowing Muda to hit a spinning heel kick to send Masahiro out to the floor. Once back in the ring, Muda hits the handspring back elbow, following up with a backbreaker. And the crowd breaker. starts to wake up because they have. They, they know, don't. They know the handspring. They back know that. Elbow. They know that. They yeah. But they the U.S. crowd always just dies on like mat wrestling, yeah. and it's a bummer. He follows it up with a backbreaker and heads to the top rope, but misses the moonsault and looks to have injured his knee. Oh. Chono starts taking advantage with several kicks to the leg, but Muda manages to cradle Masahiro for a two-count. Both men go for drop kicks. Ah, they know each other so well. And they're both down for the double KO. Masahiro's up, hits a back suplex, tries for a second one, but his back gives out, and Muda lands on top for the pin. And And uh, no! Chono kicks out. Muda then tries for another drop kick, but Chono evades and turns Muda over into the STF for the submission and, and the win. win. It's great. It's like, oh, yeah, the, 
ending part, like the finishing sequence of this is like, oh, they know each other so well. You get the double drop quick spot, but then immediately we get the, like, Muda goes to his, you know, trusty drop kick, but Chono knows well enough to hold the ropes so Muda falls on his ass, slides in quick for the STF, and you're just like, oh, just thanks for caring about wrestling, guys. I just really really appreciate that you guys fucking care about this stuff. Yeah. The two of them together, it makes me wish that we could have... I mean, it's... I know it's out there. I just haven't watched it in the Ring of Honor days, but what could have been with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, the two of them, you know, at their peak, ready to tell the world what they can do, and then it all got sidestepped. They didn't get their trilogy? Not in... Not on the big stage like they uh, should have. Not in the right place. No. We then go to JR and Jesse and they start talking about Rick Rude. And they tell us that a tournament will start this next week for the number one contender spot for his U.S. Heavyweight Championship. Well, apparently they might just need to have a, ten- a tournament for a new U.S. Heavyweight Champion because he's still injured or re-injured and now last time he had uh, Old Vader wrestle for him. Come on, Rick. JR then tells us that if Rude is unable to compete by January 23rd, so he has about a month to be ready, he's going to be stripped of the title. Rude is then shown walking to ringside, and Ventura hands him a mic. Stabbed in the back by a neurosurgeon on the biggest day of my life with one stroke of a pen, a stinking doctor foils my chance at becoming the world heavyweight champion. Now the WCW wants to twist the knife. They want to add insult to injury. The WCW is threatening to strip me of my U.S. title. And the crowd cheers at that line. (laughs) It ain't right with the medical reason I can't defend. They intend to strip me of not only my title, but of my number one contender's position. It's funny how things seem to go down that way when Big Van Vader broke the ribs of the world champion named Sting. It's plain and simple. The WCW is conspiring against ravishing Rick Rude. But what I want you people to know right now, it ain't gonna work. It ain't never gonna work. You ain't taking my title. Oh, Rude. Unfortunately, though, the injury really did suck. Yeah. And he would not be able to defend his U.S. title at any point, or at least not by the 23rd. So they would strip him of that title. But the even worse news is that he was supposed to win the world championship. Oh my god. Holy shit. When does he get injured and that ruins his career? Like, he takes that like... We're about a year and a half. Okay, I I know he like takes a bad like chest bump on like some steel or something and it yeah. fucks him up. And I was like, is, this isn't the one, is it? Because I want, I want more Rude. No, we still, we still got about a year and a half worth of Rude. We'll, we'll still see some... Yo, I love Ron, really but uh, Rick Rude should have the title. And he should have it for like six to eight months, and then Sting should finally get the definitive win over him, and that's what should happen, right? That's what we all think should probably happen, that's right? probably what should happen. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we know that's not going to happen. We'll find out as we go I mean, assuming, based on the stuff you just told me, but that's what my heart wants. But I want Rude to have it for a solid chunk. So time. instead of Rick Rude, 
We get yeah. our sixth match. Mm, favorite. Dr. Death, Steve Williams. JR is hard. Versus Ron Simmons. JR is harder. <laughs> or the WCW <laughs> World Heavyweight Championship. If this hadn't happened 28 years ago, Matt, I'd blame you for it for even suggesting it just a, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, I literally You did, did call it. I did call this you match. Didn't, you didn't know, right? You I had know. no clue. I, yeah. had oh absolutely God. no clue. So JR tells us that these two have had battles while on the football field against each other. No mm. way. As they played. They played in a... They both played football? They both played football. Yes. This is like the, the OU and Florida State played against each other. Mm. They uh, do that every year. No, they don't do it every year. Oh, okay. Position? Well, that's how much I know about What football. position did old Steve Williams play? Do we know? He offensive wasn't a guard. He was offensive guard, and Simmons, Simmons was a... Nose guard. Nose so guard. They they literally clashed. Literally butted they heads. Huh? Literally butted heads during a football game. Wow. So Doc reaches out for a handshake, but Simmons hesitates for a moment, but finally does it. And Ron has a new tune, probably because of this WCW CD that we heard so much about. <laughs> and it's true. like a nice little rap tune. Also, Jesse takes some time to shit on President Bush. Headlocks. Jr. No cells. Shoulder blocks. And three-point stances from both men to no advantage until Williams tries for a second three-point stance, which Ron leapfrogs before clotheslining Doc for a two-count. I think the, the you know the double three-point stance thing is f- fun considering, especially since I don't even necessarily want to see this match. It's like okay, well this is a fun like little gimmick. They're both big guys. Either one of them could you know. And they're football consider. players. If, oh well, if yes, know I know. Was. Yeah. That's why it's cool, man. Oh, football players doing Hacksaw Jim Duggan signature move. Come on now, you guys. Know Hacksaw probably played football. Like Hacksaw played oh, football, hey, too. You know that. <laughs> oh, I know. Simmons starts working on the arm, with Williams trying to escape by using the hair and forearms, until the two just start slugging it out, when Ron hits an elbow to the face, followed by a face plant. Body slammed by Simmons, and he heads up top. But Doc sidesteps the flying shoulder tackle and begins to work the leg of Ron, using the ropes, drop kicks to the knee, and applying a half crab. Simmons fights off Williams momentarily, but Doc just goes right back to working on the leg until he hits a backbreaker for a two count. Clothesline and a body slam by Williams, followed by several three-point stances to the knee, until Simmons catches him with the clothesline. Ron then hits a spine buster. JR trying to cover up to for why Simmons wasn't selling his injury anymore. Mm-hmm. And goes for multiple three-point stances of his own. So you call this match a three-point stance-off? Pretty much. But on the third try, <laughs> Doc ducks, sending Ron out to the floor. Simmons drags Williams out, and they begin brawling on the floor until the ref counts them both out. Well, hmm. it could have gone on for another five minutes. Well, let's see what else happens. <laughs> Post-match. They just continue to brawl, with Doc being thrown into the ring post shoulder first. Awesome. Ron gets back in the ring to celebrate, when Williams comes in from behind with a clothesline and an avalanche splash. Mm. Doc then goes up to the top rope, coming off with a knee drop on Simmons. And the officials finally break up the brawl. But big boys. then... Nick Patrick goes to the the announcer 
and tells him that he has reversed his decision. Oh, okay. Making the winner Ron Simmons mm. by disqualification. Because of what happened after the match ended? Because Doc came off the top rope. After the match was over. After the match was over, yes. So first of all, didn't the top rope thing get rescinded by a vote yeah. just a few weeks? Like, Was, wasn't maybe it not for the on air? Maybe not for the heavyweight title. But that's too many rules. We can't have that many rules, guys. And second of all, as Jesse pointed out, mm-hmm. you can't disqualify someone when he's already counted out. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you, Jess. Jesse. Like, come on. Thank you, sir, for your service. How dare you, sir, jump off that top rope with your knee. Oh, uh, Dr. Death, why do you ruin everything? This show... Needs, needs rude. We Thanks, got the promo, Bill. but like... That's all I'll say. Rude. That's a cowboy finish, not a dusty finish. <laughs> <laughs> we see another ad for Super Brawl 3. And then Tony and Larry preview our next match. Please be something good. Please be something good. Where we go to a video package showing Wyndham attacking Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat with a chair in the locker room at Clash 21. And then we see WCW Saturday Night where Wyndham and Pillman and Douglas and Steamboat are all brawling in the ring. And then Tony reminds us that Barry and Pillman had faced each other in a lethal lottery tag match. Will there be any animosity? Mm. Let's find out. And so we're headed off to our seventh match. Barry Wyndham and flying Brian Pillman versus Shane Douglas and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. For the unified NWA and WCW Tag Team Championships. Shane Douglas's jacket? Pretty wild. It's like some cut-out cowboy stripper jacket. It's awesome. <laughs> Doesn't really fit his gimmick, is what you're saying? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his gimmick is at the moment. I just know he's Shane Douglas and we like him. Maybe he's auditioning for the Hollywood Blondes. Oh, there you go. Good. <laughs> So Douglas and Pillman start us off going back and forth with waist locks, hip tosses, right hands, and hammer locks. Some elbows and chokes until Shane dodges a clothesline and attempts an O'Connor roll. Only for Flying Brian to block, so Douglas ends up dropkicking him out to the ramp. As J, uh, old JV, Jesse Ventura, compares Shane Douglas to uh, Rush Limbaugh because of his fancy jacket. But then JR turns it back around and lets Jesse know that he's a little flamboyant himself. So it's nice. To, so I always love, like, they just get better at playing off each other as it goes on. Wyndham then runs in, only to be drop kicked by Shane, and again with a double drop kick from Steamboat and Douglas. A double shot to the gut and a double back body drop from the champions send Barry out to the floor, where the challengers regroup. But once they're back in the ring, Ricky's like, I want Wyndham. And the dragon goes to work with chops, vertical suplex. And the champions keep working on Barry with face and headlocks. Wyndham then suplexes free for a moment. But Steamboat is right back in control with a clothesline that sends Barry over the ropes to the floor. Ricky continues the attack on the outside with a body slam on particle board covered ice. Followed by Shane body slamming him on the ramp. And then the dragon tosses Wyndham back into the ring. A swinging net breaker for two by Steamboat. Douglas with a snapmare and back to a headlock, but Barry escapes with a jawbreaker, allowing him to make the tag. 
Flying Brian goes to work on Shane with face plants, chokes, head slams into turnbuckles. Irish whips into the corner where Wyndham hits an elbow to the back of the head. Pillman then charges into the corner only for Douglas to lift him up over the ropes to the apron, hitting a drop kick to send Brian flying off into the guardrail. Uh, he catches the steel with his damn neck. Brian is flying. Mm-hmm. Once back in the ring, Shane goes up top, but Barry distracts him long enough for Pillman to drop kick him off onto the floor. Douglas gets a clothesline from Wyndham before he makes his way back in, where Barry takes control for his team, with Shane continuously trying to fire up only to be taken back down. Wyndham launches Douglas through the rope straight into the guardrail, and Steamboat is getting fed up, so he grabs a chair and attacks Barry. Not very Steamboat. No. Plus the ref is like right there. Like, <laughs> why did we not call for this qualification? Oh wait, because he didn't jump off the yeah. top rope at the end of the match. Back in the ring, Shane reaches out for the tag, but Pillman hits a back suplex in time for multiple two counts. Wyndham with a back suplex of his own, flying Brian with a running back elbow, a snap suplex, and a running splash for the pin. And no! Douglas kicks out. Steamboat comes into the ring, distracting the ref, which allows Barry and Pillman to double-team Shane. Wyndham goes for another suplex, but Douglas blocks and hits one of his own. Falls back towards his corner for the... Hot tag! Ricky's in with drop kicks, chops, body slams to everybody, but a power slam by Barry stops the momentum. And can I say, this might be like one of the first real-ass hot tags we've seen in a minute. We've got some hot tags, but this one, like, the crowd is behind. When Steamboat uses that chair earlier, there's like a blood-curdling scream from the crowd <laughs> and like a huge pop. Like, everyone's, a, everyone's alive for this. Wyndham starts working over the dragon with a back suplex. Pillman tosses Steamboat out to the floor, followed by Barry running him headfirst into a ring post. Posted. Ricky jumps into the ring off the ropes with a chop to Flying Brian for a two count. A chop fest breaks out before Pillman hits a flying head scissors for a near fall. That, uh, there's a, that Steamboat, like, slingshot single axe. It's like, you're gonna go to the trouble of doing the slingshot, but it's only a single axe. It's like... You didn't double axe handle, you didn't, you know, do like a lariat or a flying shoulder. A single chop. Karate. Wyndham is in with stops. Then Steamboat starts pointing at him instead of fighting back. So Barry stays on the attack and goes up to the top rope. Don't point at me. Only for the dragon to avoid. But then Wyndham walks into a Ricky thrust kick and a face plant. The boat floats. Is what is what happened. The boat floats. Steamboat makes it to this corner for the hot tag. Shane's in with a back elbow to Pillman. Body slams to both. Back body drop to Brian as all four men start brawling with the dragon and Wyndham out on the ramp. Douglas then hits a belly to belly suplex. Makes the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. Beautiful pop for the end of the match. Holy shit, it's nice to see a good-ass tag match. It's been a while. It's been a... Yeah. This is... been a minute. Like, this is... Is this maybe the best tag match since Southern Boys Midnight? But that's like... No, we've had... Other good ones. But there's also not many things... Or wait, do the the Super Show ones count? 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the the Steiner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. But I can't remember the guys there. They were against off the top of my head. Suzaki and Hase. Mm, Hase, that was the other one. There's yeah, there's they feel like they're fewer and further, but I mean you know Midnight's been gone for a while. Midnight Southern Boys is still like this is me lifting my hand, like still pretty fucking up there, right? Yeah. That's kind of the jam. Jr. and Jesse preview our next match. And they go to a video package showing Vader hitting a second rope splash just a few weeks earlier. Sting then shows up with a 2x4 to hit Vader over the back during an interview. Oh. That's literally what I thought. Hey, man, you don't need a license to buy lumber. I mean, maybe if it's a lot of it, I don't know. But, you know, anybody can get a 2x4. JR then tells us Sting's strategy is to extend the match. Yeah. That's a pretty good strategy. Wear them out. out. Exactly. So our eighth match, Big Van Vader with Harley Race versus Sting in the King of Cable Tournament Final. King Cable, baby. Gotta win that trophy. Mm-hmm. Vader uses his power advantage early on, pushing him down, hitting multiple body slams. But Sting then charges in only for Vader to knock him back down and then press rubber band slam him several times. The Stinger dodges multiple clotheslines and comes off the ropes with a cannonball, taking Vader off his feet, following it up with a dropkick, a German suplex, and a pair of clotheslines that takes Vader over the ropes to the floor. Sting then comes over the ropes as well with a Biscotto onto Vader and race. Couple weeks ago, you would have been disqualified. Mm-hmm. Back in well, the ring. Well, this isn't a title match. I guess I just made that rule up that this was a title <laughs> match, but I mean, the match is also over, so I don't know. Back in the ring, Vader shakes it off to start landing stiff shots. Goes for an avalanche splash, but Stinger moves and arm drags the big man down before charging into a big boot. Sting returns the big boot and then hits a DDT and places Vader on the top rope for a superplex for a two-count. The Stinger applies the Scorpion Deathlock, but Vader makes it to the ropes to break the hold. Dang. Vader rolls out to regroup, but Sting follows out and attempts another Stinger splash, but misses and goes straight into the guardrail. The Stinger is able to make it back into the ring just in time, only to walk right into a Vader clothesline an avalanche splash, and more clotheslines for a near fall. Vader continues with a back suplex and a running splash, then starts wearing him down with multiple different holds. Sting escapes and turns Vader over for a backslide pin attempt for a two count, then tries for a sunset flip. Vader drops down, but the Stinger has moved. Mmm, come on, fall on that ass. Sting escapes a headlock with a back suplex, but Vader starts giving more stiff shots that the Stinger just can't really defend himself against. Vader then tries for his own superplex, and Sting starts fighting him off with punches to send Vader back down to the mat. But the Stinger is so tired, he just ends up falling off of the the top. I mean, he's been putting in some fucking big-ass work on Vader, and Vader's a big boy. Yeah. And it's taken, like, he didn't sell for, like, the first, like, three minutes of the match. And he's been wearing him down, but now, even he's resilient. He pulls, even if he pulls some of those 
you know, womps that he's throwing down, they're, they're still going to take the toll out. Bader's up first to continue the attack with more punches, but he finally tires and Sting starts firing up, hitting a fallaway slam, and then goes up to the top rope to hit a splash for a near fall. Harley then jumps up onto the apron, which distracts the Stinger, allowing Vader to come from behind to hit a clothesline and a choke slam. Oh my god. Vader goes to the second rope and comes off with a splash, decides to do it again, but from the very top. Don't get cocky, Leon. But Sting catches him and reverses it into a power slam for the pin and And the the win. Post-match, Sting is given the King of Cable Trophy by Jesse Ventura. Oh, man. Like, uh, I think, and, yeah, and the first, and and only, yeah. We'll get into it later, but I loved this match, and I think that my notes were probably too in-depth. So I was like, where's Matt? And then I got towards the end of the match and I was like, oh, I have like two extra pages of notes because I was like intently taking notes because I loved it so much. But I mean, you know, I don't always all agree on everything, but uh, I mean, no, we'll talk about it later. Tony and Larry are on the stage to preview the Battle Bowl. And both Sting and Vader have to literally come <laughs> right back out for this match. Yeah. We then throw to a video package because we need something to give him a little bit of rest. Yeah. So where Tony interviews Paul Hornig. Paul Hornig is a NFL Hall of Famer. He was the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers in Super Bowl One. Oh. Which I don't think they really give us any of that backstory on the video. Paul talks about the importance of a ring and what it means to him. He says whoever is in there is going to want to win it. It will signify who the number one man in the business is. thought that's what heavyweight title did. Yeah, okay, you, you, you would think that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know. <laughs> but no, no. Uh, the Battle Bowl ring is the most important thing. That night, maybe. Yeah. Oh. Maybe. Whenever, you know, Thanks, the Bill. title matches Ron Simmons and Dr. Death, maybe the Battle Bowl ring is more important, but... It's, you know, for my money, believe it or not, King of Cable might be the most important thing. So our ninth <laughs> match, Dangerous, Dan Spivey, The Natural, Dustin Rhodes, Great Muda, Barry Windham, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, uh-huh. Heavy Metal Van Hammer, Big Van Vader with Harley Race, and Sting in a Battle Bowl Battle Royal. The rules of the match are traditional over-the-top rope battle royal rules. Uh, one ring this time? Only one ring. Mm, that's a, that's a uh, positive thing. Yes. No two rings, Sting. Good decision. We've, we've got three-match Steve instead. We've got three-match Sting, too. Yeah. Well, I was, I was saying Steve as as opposed to Sting as far as Steve Borden, but then I remembered, yeah, Dr. Death also uh, had Muda three as matches. Well? Three-match Muda. There we go. I like the sound of that better. Mm-hmm. Vader's still pissed off from the last match, so he attacks Sting out on the ramp while the others start brawling in the ring. Wyndham with some mounted punches on Rhodes, and then Vader dives over the top rope back into the ring to shoulder tackle Sting. Hell yeah. We get a wide shot 
of the ring, but then we also get two split screens mm. at the bottom to show some more intimate actions. Pretty cool, I must say. Sting gets clotheslined in the corner by Sting. Hammer with shoulder blocks to Spivey. Dustin returns the mounted punches to Barry until Wyndham tries for an atomic drop, which is blocked, and the natural hits a clothesline. Vader with a huge clothesline on the Stinger, and Barry with a back suplex on Hammer. Muto with a suplex on Doc. Sting with a sleeper on Vader. I love that he got a suplex on Doc, who is... Like, Doc's, like, not much smaller than Vader, right? <laughs> like, he's huge. He's smaller than Vader. Vader but, yeah. But once again, we have a guy who works in Japan a lot mm-hmm. selling for a guy from Japan. Yeah. I want to like Dr. Death, but he hasn't made it easy. Rhodes with a big right hand. <laughs> I said I want to, not that I did. I was trying to think of something positive to say there. <laughs> That's, That's not, why all yeah. I got was... I'm a, I said the most positive thing. I want to. <laughs> Rhodes with a big right hand to Wyndham that sends him through the ropes to the ramp, where he follows out to continue the attack, while William's back body drops Hammer over the ropes. So Van Hammer is eliminated. Dustin with a bulldog on Barry out on the ramp. Doc with a back suplex of Vader, while Sting back body drops Spivey over the ropes to the ramp. Dump that DS out. Which, at first, JR wasn't sure if that was an elimination, but Dangerous Dan Spivey is eliminated. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dramatic <laughs> effect right there. Vader's throwing stiff shots at Muda looks to eliminate him when Sting comes from behind with a Stinger splash to save Muda. Vader then charges at the Stinger and hits an avalanche splash that takes them both over the ropes no. to the floor. So Big Van Vader and Sting are eliminated. You can't have it all. Although, it would be fun if somehow that happened. Sting goes over. So the final... <laughs> Vader skins the cat. <laughs> yes. Not, not, not skin the cat, but you know what I mean. Like, he, uh, you know, catches the rope, lands feet on the apron. So the final four are Dr. Death Steve Williams. Yes. The Natural. I mean, no. <laughs> Great Muda and Barry Windham. At this point, who did you think was going to win? Dustin fucking Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> yes. it was the year of, of the natural. I yeah, originally I had to give it to either him or Muda just because of how they screwed him before. I didn't think Muda had any, any chance at all. I was like, no way. But that you know, I was like, wait, you know, he's gonna do some flashy I stuff. I mean, my first thought was Dustin, mm-hmm. but then I was like, but wait, if they're gonna use this to possibly elevate someone, uh, then it might be Wyndham. Yeah, he could, he could, he can always use because Wyndham elevate. as the heel. Yeah. And Doc already had his match with Ron, so... True. Rhodes with a vertical suplex on Barry. Muda with multiple spinning heel kicks on Wings. We're getting Muda chance, by the way. We are. People are into it, man. Snapmare and falling fist by Dustin, but Wyndham retaliates with a DDT, a body slam, before going up to the top rope, only for the natural to press slam him off to the mat. Shouldn't they be throwing the other direction? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe to the floor. DDT by Rhodes on Barry, and they're both up still brawling on the ropes. When Doc charges in with a clothesline that ends up taking himself and Dustin over the ropes to the floor. Fuck you, Steve. I know, and I'm like, well, so Barry's Williams twice the size of Muda. And Dustin Rhodes 
are eliminated. Yeah, natural death. That would be their um, <laughs> tag team. <laughs> they died a natural death. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> the crowd gets behind Muda with a rabid chant. Barry takes him down with a big right hand, a head slam into a turnbuckle, a vertical suplex, a back suplex, a superplex. We're hitting all the plexes. Oh, yeah, yeah. A drop kick before tossing him over the ropes and starts celebrating. But. Dun, dun, dun. Muda holds on, skims, skims the, the cat, cat, and then hits multiple drop kicks to send Wyndham over the ropes to the floor. The great Muda is your battle bowl champion. My gosh. We get Moot Pyro for Muda. Muda won Which the last match on completely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, like, after he skins the cat and lands in the ring, he, like, does a, like, pose, gets the pop, the drop kicks, bigger pop, fireworks. I'm shitting my pants. WCW liked it, and then they put a ring on it. Oh, my gosh. If they, they they understood the errors of their ways. Your second annual Battle Bowl champion. Three years later. Plus, right? you know, they have good wrestlers. Like, they get Vader, which is a great trade, and they can send Root over there. And I'm sure there's no way in hell Rick Root's not having a blast in Japan actually getting to, you know, wrestle longer, smarter matches with people and uh, yell at Japanese guys and eat free steak. So JR and Jesse recap the evening before saying their goodbyes and credits roll. As another ad for Super Brawl 3 plays. Super, super, super Brawl. So, fun fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this oh. is a fun fact. I mean, it's a fun fact now. Bill Watts would be fired after this show. <laughs> I mean, because this show sucks. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about actually if this show sucked here in a minute. Yeah. And he was replaced... By Eric Bischoff. Bum, bum, bum. It's the dawning of Aquarius, of a new era. I don't know the vocal melody for that song. But his first decision he would make would be two days later at a house show in Baltimore. Vader would take the title off of Ron Simmons. Not the worst idea. Hate to say it. Yep. I mean, Ron Simmons was a... Cowboy Bill Watts' decision. Yeah. yeah. Vader is and the smartest. Everyone agrees that Vader should have probably still been champion. Yeah. With the with the run that O'Ron got, he, I mean, I'm happy he has a, a world championship in his, you know, Hall of Fame history, but he did not have a Hall of Fame championship run. run. As the biggest, I assume the biggest Ron Simmons fan between the three of us. Vader is still the right decision to oh, have that belt. Like, you know, I mean... And I'm I'm by no means not a Ron Simmons No, fan. no. I love Ron Simmons, but I mean, I've been it's fucking bitching that Vader. they haven't done anything with him. They keep giving him shit opponents, and then I'll save that for the... Yeah, he can't can't lead a match. He's not as... Like, he's big, but he just doesn't have the knack that Vader has. Or the gimmick. I mean, a guy that big that's a baby face, like, what is he going to do? Sell a whole bunch and then hit two moves and oh wait that's uh, Hulk Hogan yeah, yeah yeah so gentlemen what are your overall thoughts of the tenth annual Starcade nineteen ninety two well I mean I was happy to see Muda as the 
second annual Battle Bowl champion at the 10th annual Starcade 92. Oh, the Agreed. show overall was it was better than I was expecting oh it to be God, given yes. the the history we have with Starcade and the joy that it's brought us over the last several shows that they've done. Yeah, plus just the the shit show that we had the last couple times from uh, WCW. It was totally watchable. It was enjoyable. It has some some good moments. It has some <sighs> too many Dr. Death moments. <laughs> but it was still an enjoyable show. It had, I mean, fuck, you've got Muda and Chono in there for the second time in the year. And it was just as enjoyable, possibly more enjoyable than the first one that I saw of them, as opposed to the the Rick Rude Chono part two that we saw that was just tragic. It was a it was a took the wind out of my sails because <laughs> I was you know I don't know how knots work, but pick a a, a strong believable number of <laughs> knots you could move across uh, the water, and that's where I was <laughs> when the match began. I kind of slowed to a, a stop. How about you, Michael? It's better. It's the the tag. I'm scared for Starcade. We know how we feel about this battle. Oh, of course. But the tag matches here were not horrendous. All the finishes, for the most part, seemed to make sense. So it wasn't as difficult to watch. And then, of course, we get an incredible uh, tag match. We get a, uh, I mean, the not the best Chono Muda, but a Chono Muda. Yeah. And then... We know we've talked Ron Simmons thing to death, unfortunately. But Sting Van Vader, big fan, huge fan, favorite match of the show. And then uh, Muda wins the Battle Bowl. I don't really have any big complaints here. This shows it's a better Starcade than I expected, considering this gimmick that we hate. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts, basically, the majority of the matches are good. I, I'm right there with you guys. Yeah, like if the tag matches were as bad as they were previously in Battle Bowl yeah. iterations, then, like, that, like, they really bumped the show up by having a finish <laughs> to the matches. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the downfall that, for at least for me, was that some of the guys ended up working two to three times during the show. So by the time they hit the Battle Bowl, you could tell that they were tired. Yeah. And... I love seeing those guys work multiple times. I mean, it makes it better for me as the fan. Yeah. But at the same time, as I said, or, you know, may, maybe throw the mid-card guys in there into the battle bowl and let them work. Yeah, I didn't even forgot. No Z-Man. Exactly. Why is Z-Man not here? What's, who's he tagging with right now? They're doing, Johnny Gunn. Uh, okay, it's the, what's the name of the gimmick? I remember liking the promo a lot. Uh, but also, the credibility of your title belts was kind of hurt by because they, they literally just kept putting over the importance of this battle bowl ring and the king of cable tournament trophy yeah and it's like but your heavyweight championship should be the thing that everyone is striving for it's hard to make it look good when it's dr death and ron simmons i mean I'm, i'd like to think that if rude wasn't hurt then maybe they would have had a rude could have took him to a decent match and made ron simmons look 
really good, uh, and maybe it would have been higher on the card. But, I mean, Rick Root is on fire right now, and him not being here hurts that a whole lot. And how great would it have been if he won the motherfucking thing? Love to see. Love to supposed to. Yeah, see? Come on. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, what do we think the best moments are? I mean, obviously, Muda winning the Battle Bowl. That's I mean, yeah. super cool. Yeah, because we didn't expect it at all. How could we? I was like, there's no way Muda wins this. And then when it did happen, kind of shit a little bit. Almost a Miss Elizabeth moment where... The, the little part of your heart just kind of oh, exploded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's actually happening. Yeah, but the Elizabeth, yeah, with Elizabeth, it's a little bit different. She gets more screen time, more storytelling over in the WWF. No, I don't mean comparing the character. I just mean the, the feeling in oh, your heart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I cry whenever uh, there's a good Miss Elizabeth moment. I didn't cry for this. I wasn't ready enough to cry for it. Yeah, I mean, best moment for me was, I mean, the, the Muda Chono match was great. A lot of it for me is just some of the the pairings that you had in the ring. The matches themselves may have not been the greatest, greatest, but just seeing some of these people in the ring together. Your oh, your your Wyndham Muda Pillman match, Sting Liger minus the other two. They did a better job of like having faces and heels on the same tag team, and the way they interacted with like the reluctancy of like the face being like not cool with it but it's like hey i still want the battle bowl ring so like i'm not gonna just completely turn on you everybody Eric wants Watson that ring. and dr dev <laughs> now they're they're in my next no just kidding my next section here man natural death though it's such a bummer that that's not what a great tag team i can't i just <laughs> i said it now and you guys faces made me believe that it is good and yeah. i wish that I think are both of our, our faces lit up. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be Dustin Rhodes and Dr. Death, but just like, you know. Yeah, I mean, perfect. you want me to be excited about Steve Williams? Then, yeah, put him in a, a tag team with a cool name. Not yeah. Whatever. A cool name where he's where Dustin goes in and works yeah. and uh, does all the stuff, and then he plays cleanup. Something and then, a little more exciting you know. than Miracle Violence Connection or whatever with a, a tag team partner that has excitement to wow. him. How about most disappointing? Rude. I want rude. Yeah. I want some rude. Rude with, you rude with Medusa out there? after I told you that he was going to win the belt? I mean, even more. <laughs> I wanted him twice as much. That's the moment I've been waiting for for all these years. Yes. Yeah. This is like the year that like, we all liked rude in WWE, but holy shit. Right? Do you not yeah. turn the corner and you're like, oh, now I'm like, a rude, from like a, a, rude, a rude fan those, to a rude did you fan. Have a rude boy. awakening. Yes, a rude awakening. It was those Japan <laughs> matches that did it for me. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's been yes, mm-hmm, yeah. And say so they could have all the other things that were like disappointing. It's like oh, well, we kind of covered that. But rude's the big one. It's like yeah, it's a bummer. Doctor Death was here so many times, but we just got to get over that. I mean, to be honest, I know you guys are like, especially you, Shane, are like shit all over Doctor Death. I feel like he didn't do a horrible job on this show. I think the biggest issue with him was the match, like the finish they decided to go with. Oh yeah, on, on the championship match because that's it's just a it's just a dumb ending. Yeah, it was a, that like that match like, was like pretty was fun. The double yeah. count out was fine, but then the other things like oh, all right, like it was totally just 
fine and pretty entertaining up until then. I liked that, like, it wasn't going to be a fucking classic match order, but no. the three-point stance thing was fun enough. Like, it was all, yeah, it was, was all fine. I was enjoying the match yeah. until the very end. Yeah, I agree. So. Agreed. Uh, yeah. My debt, my, like, bigger issues with death is, like, in the tag teams where it's just, like, when it's him and, uh, Gordy. not Spivey, like, Spivey, but Gordy, it's like, oh, it's just, everything is just, it slows down. Everything becomes, like, slow yeah. motion. Yes. But I didn't feel like he did any of that, really. Cause, he didn't. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to do, because one, one, they did the good job of making sure him and Watts were not in the ring at the same time very yeah. often. Yeah. And so the other person that he would have been in the ring with is Liger. It's like, oh, that's fine. And Liger... If you can't have a good match with Liger, then exactly. you shouldn't be in the business. Yeah, exactly. it's like he can, like Liger can jump around him and he can just counter the stuff. Yeah. Because he's big and it makes sense and it works. Uh, I go into almost every match involving Dr. Death with low expectations because I just... Not your I vibe. have no joy... As soon as I see him in the ring, so it, it has to be there. There has to be somebody else in there that is going to make it entertaining. And you know, in this case, yeah, we had Sting, we had Liger, Liger, and it was evened was out no nicely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> fine. Like we don't. I don't want to see like Sting beat Liger, and I don't want to see Liger beat Sting on this show. But them being in a mat in a ring together in a tag team match, that doesn't really have to happen. Yeah. How about best performer of the evening? I gotta give it to my boy Muda. It was Muda, it was his Jono, night to shine. Uh, Sting, still a big Sting Vader fan over here. So we know Sting Vader is his favorite match. Is Michael's favorite match? I mean, it's it's on this show. It's hard. It's like I think that Muda Chono is neck and neck, and maybe I liked it more. But I'm putting over the Sting Vader because it seemed like it didn't excite you guys the way it excited me i'm like over the moon about it no it was i mean the sting vader match was great compared to the one that they had i don't remember which show it was that when uh, vader actually won the title oh yeah compared to that one this one is you know a five-star match compared to that one but i mean on the show the the muda chono match so you're going muda chono is your favorite match on the show yeah Oh man, I gotta break this tie. <laughs> I mean, I know what you're. I think I know what you're gonna do, and it's probably the right thing. But I just maybe. What What do you think I'm gonna do? I think you're gonna go uh, to Japan. Or we'll just have as a three way dance. Oh, and man. I'll do a tag match. Oh, my favorite match. That's understandable. The, champion, the championship. The championship. championship. Yeah, championship yeah, yeah. Of course, that match was incredible. Yeah. See, those I mean, are all fine. Those. The thing is, is like those are all understandable choices where I can't be like. No, because those three matches really do make this show, and there's enough other fun stuff sprinkled in that makes this a thumbs-up show to me. That right there is a sign that it's a watchable show, because we couldn't decide on one the way we have on yeah. previous yeah, watchbacks. You, usually there is one match Where on like, oh, every well, show that's, that we're just like, one. It's like, but I also like this. Definitive best match on this show. Yeah. And we each, I mean, I, I think we're all in agreement. All three, three matches <laughs> are really good. Yeah, it's just a flavor thing, yeah. basically. And my flavor this week was—it was good to see that good of a tag match. Yeah, cookies and cream. <laughs> How about most surprising? Uh, I mean, Muda, that they Muda had Muda win. Muda win. Yeah, the Muda win. Um, I'm going to go back to my making people work more than once in an evening. Yeah, 
when you decide to make Rude not work twice <laughs> in a show a few a few weeks ago that we covered. Yeah. And haven't been like if you're gonna like if you're gonna have people work two or three times in this show, why wouldn't you just have Rude work twice in that show? Yeah, it's not like Rude can't do it. He's exactly. got the he's got the best bod in the biz. Yeah. Like what are you talking about? And that same right if you are going to be having all of these openings for people that are needing to do double and triple duty, I know there's more people in the back well, that they th- could th- have. That's the other thing. It's like, I know that that probably makes the Battle Bowl very mid-card, and the Lethal Lottery and Battle Bowl very mid-cardy, because you have all, all your headliners working other matches. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't need... To see Dan Spivey work twice in a night. I don't need to see Dr. Death Steve Williams work three nights Mm -hmm. in a night. No. I mean, I understand that they're trying to put their big names at the top of the card, but literally just make it a bunch of mid-carders. I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, I would have been okay with... It's a way to build up other people. Yeah. It's a way of doing it. Where's Flamingo? Remember when he won that belt and they got Where's Brad Armstrong? Where's Flamingo? I believe Brad Armstrong was the dark match. Z-Man. Johnny oh. Gunn. <laughs> I can't believe no Z-Man. Yeah. There you go. There's your yeah. most surprising right there. Yeah. My, yeah. But it's late to the party, but yeah my, <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend Z-Man's not even on the show. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Antonio Inoki had won the IWGP League to become champion again. But New Japan Pro Wrestling would deactivate that title in 1987, only to have a new championship take its place. The winner of the 1987 IWGP League would be the inaugural champion. Fourteen wrestlers would take place in two blocks of seven, with Masa Saito and Antonio Inoki scoring the most points to then face off in the final. After a hard-fought nearly 15-minute match, with by the end Saito thinking he had won the match with his patented backdrop suplex. And Noki reversed a second suplex attempt into a pinning position and earned the three count, although without having controversy, as Saito seemed to have kicked out. But it was determined by the end it was too late. Antonio Inoki would hold the title for almost a year when he would have to vacate it due to a fracture in his foot. Two future champions would then meet to determine a new champion. So it's the still the IWGP title belt, but they just made a new one? Yes. So it's just like a, a different piece a, of metal. It's a different belt. It's a different lineage. Yeah, but it's still got the same name. Yes. Okay. Weird. Kinda but dumb, just making sure. Yeah. But Did he b- fracture his foot um, beating up that fat white guy from that famous internet video? Probably not. It was probably in an actual match. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember who no, that is. No. <laughs> There's uh, some, I can't remember who it is, but the guy doesn't sell for him, and he's just getting upset, so he just shoots on him and kicks his fucking head in. It's fucked up. Damn. <laughs> Don't piss off Anoki. No, do not do that. <laughs> Next week. Hey hey guys, did, did we mention at the beginning of the show this mm-hmm. is the end of 92? <gasps> Yep. So, so that kind of means it's end of uh, season uh, two. Goodbye. Season mm-hmm. two. Yeah. 
of Wrestling History X. So, we're going to take a couple weeks kind of off. No, we'll be here. Well, we're going to have shows for you. Yes. But they're going to be our compilation shows. They won't be from 93. We're not starting 93 no, quite yet. Not, not quite yet. We're going we're to... Little best of. Little best of. This next week, we're going to have our Dusty Finishes Volume 2, which will cover episode 41 through this episode right here, episode 80. And we're going to just put all those Dusty Finishes all together in one little 45-minute mm-hmm. package. Get your uh, Wikipedia machine out, start looking up names, you know, have fun with it. But, you know, tune in to listen to those next week. There will be an announcement at the end of that episode that you might want to tune in for. I guess I'm going to have to because I have no idea <laughs> what this announcement might be. But I, will, I guess I'll be here for it. I like surprising even my co-host. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But the music from this week's show is Formula One by Eric's Mars and Tokyo Takeaway. And that's Formula W-O-N. Yes. <laughs> by Hans Ingstrom and Paul Osborne. Because Tokyo Takeaway was Muda's music. Yeah, yeah. these are the only times we probably will ever use either of these two hey. songs, maybe? we got a whole new year coming up on us. Don't I mean, I don't know. That's expect. not true. Because I'm sure we're going to watch some new Japan. Because we're going to add some more... And different promotions yes. in 93 and yeah. 94. It's not going to be WCW, WCW, WWF, WCW, WCW, WWF. Yeah. yeah. Things are going to change. Mixing it up. For the better. Might get a little... Extremely. Yeah. Episode 120 is going to be the beginning of 94. <laughs> the worlds might collide. Who oh knows? my gosh. Who knows what's going to happen? Might be a little raw. Oh. We never know. We got being a raw and nitro coming up. I mean, yeah, it's it's. Are you telling yeah. me we're not covering pasta mania? Pasta mania? Oh, you don't know? What? Oh, you don't oh, know? You, you don't, don't know? know? <laughs> That's a few years off. If you like this show or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. As Michael says, five stars or no stars. Exactly. And you can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com. And what does Shane want? I want you to talk to me on Twitter. Send me some recipe ideas. Send me some beverages. We're going to be going to... Where are we going to next? We're going to Japan. Uh, We're still a few weeks away. Next week we're being Compilation City. Yes. Yes. But our next next actual venture... Yeah, we're we're going to be going to Japan. So, got a couple weeks. Send me some ideas. Absolutely. And where, where can they find us at? On Twitter? They can go to uh, Twitter at Wrestling HistoX. That's Wrestling H I S T O X. Talk to you next week. Laters.